Welcome to this Innovation Forum podcast with me, Ian Welsh. Delighted that today I'm joined by Veronique Bouvet, who's Deputy Director for Company Collaboration at ProForest, and Milan Nu, who's Landscape Coordinator for Indonesia with ProForest. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Well, we're going to be talking a bit about ProForest's work in Indonesia. Veronique, why don't you start us off by giving an overview of what ProForest is up to in Indonesia? ProForest has been working in Indonesia for the past uh, 10 years and mainly with regards to supporting clients who are sourcing and then in particular palm oil from Indonesia. So we have been supporting these clients initially in the first years that we were in Indonesia by engaging with their suppliers, looking into where the areas that they're sourcing and working with suppliers to work on deforestation-free supply chains, work and support on human rights, etc. but very specific link to their supply. So this, for example, also meant conducting HEV assessments like high conservation value and carbon stocks. So this was looking into where in the areas that they are sourcing from are the areas to conserve. We did also support work with smallholders, but very specifically, again, linked to their supply. And then over time, realizing that there were underlying root causes and that collaboration was actually needed in order to address these root causes. So about five years ago, we started to work on collaborative programs. And then we also started to work on developing what we call landscape programs, where we work together with multiple stakeholders, local government, etc. Our work is mainly linked initially to palm oil, but since the last years, we have actually also started to work on responsible sourcing of cocoa and looking into landscape programs around cocoa as well. Mila, perhaps you can give us more of an overview of some of the specific challenges in Indonesia that you're focused on tackling. First challenge, the biggest challenge actually, uh, deforestation. And as you probably know that in 2015, we have the largest tragic massive of forest fires in Indonesia. It was actually the the largest in the past 18 years, and then approximately 2.6 million hectares land burn, and then economic loss estimated around like 220 trillion rupiah. And then more than 500 people suffer from acute respiratory infection. 30% of the total area burned was a peatland. So most of it actually in the context of Riau is in Siak and Palawan. So they are also in part of Kalimantan also burned uh, during that uh, forest fire. That was actually the main reason why then company come to Siak and Palawan to see that the need to support smallholder, which is a Siak and Palawan, their area of sourcing. That's one thing. And the second one is the smallholder inclusion is the biggest issue as well that we're trying to tackling, where we need to improve the capacity of the smallholders and then community surrounding as well as their livelihood. Part of that also issue of land title where there are many of the uh, smallholders in Indonesia, they actually don't have a land title. And some of them help have their land within the protected area. So that's that's an issue that right now is still ongoing in Indonesia and many parts of Indonesia, not just in Siak and Palawan. Another challenge that we're also trying to address and work with other organizations is addressing a human rights issue, especially on the labor and workers, actually human rights workers. You have a number of ongoing projects in Indonesia. One of those is in Singaulino, the Singaulino Landscape Conservation and Livelihoods Programme. What is this trying to achieve, Veronique? 
I think it links very much to what Mila was just mentioning with regards to the fires and protection of forest. We basically started this project. I was just referring to the fact that we were encouraging collaboration by two companies looking into addressing some of the root causes and trying to work in a particular village called Sungaili now to work on avoiding deforestation and working with the farmers. We then realized we need to collaborate with other agents and started to work and collaborate here with the peat restoration agency in Indonesia, which was set up partly to address the issues of fires and rehabilitation of peat. And they have a program which is called the Peat Care Village Program, which we started to collaborate on in Sungaili now. But then we took a more holistic approach and rather than just looking at the restoration and rehabilitation of the peat areas in this village, also work on these wider commitments that the companies that are sourcing palm uh, from these areas have. So also looking into protecting forests, avoiding deforestation, improving palm practices and good agricultural practices to produce palm and addressing any specific human rights issues. So looking at land titles, we looked and implemented this at the village level, are working with the local community. So we took a very bottom-up approach. We were introduced into the village by the Speed Restoration Agency and the Peat Care Village Programme. We extended this program with modules on raising awareness of the importance to protecting also forests. So we took a very bottom-up approach, working with the village community there, doing participatory mapping. So we basically developed a land use plan at the village level, looking into where are the areas to rehabilitate, areas to conserve and also about alternatives to producing palm, so alternative crops, and very much building on structures that this peat restoration agency, the BRG, already had, amongst others, like fire, village, community, etc. So we're trying to take a holistic approach, working with the communities very bottom-up to map and develop a land use plan, embed this into village-level regulation, and then started to later think about how can we scale it up. But that was the principle and the start of this Sungai now program, and we are now working in four villages, so we have replicated this in four villages surrounding Sungai now. Mila, why is the involvement of local communities so important here? The role of local community is actually a key because especially indigenous community, they are the guardian of the forest, right? In the case of the smallholders, actually, they depend their life in the forest and also in their land. And then we know that to improve the livelihood of the smallholders could potentially reduce the risk of land conversion, which potentially threatens the wildlife forest and also the biodiversity. And we know that globally, around more than 3 million smallholder and small-scale farmers make a living from palm oil globally. So that's why their role actually in protecting the forest and biodiversity is key in this context. And they need support to improve their capacity, to support the good agriculture, and also how they organize themselves, and then to get certification and that kind of thing. And I think that a community play a very important role in uh, protecting the forest and biodiversity and to reduce deforestation. So, Veronique, what are the outcomes of the project, perhaps thinking about now and in the future? It's sort of this bottom-up participatory way of having a land use plan at the level of the village that basically includes the restoration of the peat areas, has livelihoods improvement, looking into alternative livelihoods and 
also trying to scale this up. So I think it's really the communities own and are engaged and improve practices so that they sort of help and can meet the companies also one so that they can be included. As Mila said at the beginning, there is smallholder inclusion. So that means they need to meet specific requirements and to ensure protection of forests whilst improving livelihoods. A challenge is that we have these commitments now to say, okay, we will preserve these forests, etc. But incentives need to be delivered to those communities to ensure in the long term that they will not convert, which will partly be able to do by sort of alternative livelihoods. But I think at the same time, yeah, thinking about longer term incentives, how to deliver them, etc. is something we're still working on addressing. To what extent then do you think that there's an acceptance now that preserving forests and ecosystems within existing working landscapes is actually an essential compromise that can actually work in practice? I think it can definitely work because, as we said, we're starting bottom-up, so there's this realisation and the will of communities as well. But I think we also need to be realistic that sometimes it's economically more interesting to convert, etc. It's that realisation that we need to think about incentives so that farmers and the local communities actually do that. So that's also why we're taking a village-level approach, that that's entire communities owning the whole process to decide on what to do with the land. But they need support in sometimes getting the right land titles so that they can get loans, et cetera, et cetera, and guidance on alternative livelihoods, et cetera. So we need to all work together in order to achieve this because there's issues that need involvement and support from the government as well. You're also working in a project in SIAC and Pedalalwan. So what are the lessons learned from Sungai Linau that you're putting into practice in these other projects? Well, we're basically taking... The same approach, the whole Siakam Palalawan program is structured or the heart of it is also what we call this village support program. So we've replicated what we have done in Sungai Linau, which is also we work with what we call village facilitators. Those are people that are trained amongst others by the Speed Restoration Agency with additional modules that are based in the villages. So we are replicating this process. I think villages see success in other villages in terms of how it works and the village facilitators are located in the villages and can thus easily replicate and work in multiple villages. So we have in three years time now replicated this process. We are now working in 25 villages in the districts of Siak and Palalawan. But what is different here is that we are also engaging and working with the district level government. So these villages are located in the district and we're trying to make a link to the district level governments and both districts, SIAC has what they call a green SIAC decree, which means they have committed to green growth. So we're trying to make the linkages in terms of how are these villages nested within the district. And in Palalawan, the government has adopted and gone through the whole process of developing what they call a district action plan for sustainable palm oil. So it is at the national level of Indonesia, an action plan for sustainable palm oil. And this is to be implemented in the districts. Palalawan has done that. So we're trying to make these linkages. So taking the lessons learned from Sungailino at the village, but nesting that and integrating that into a district level. Mila, what more can you tell me about the aims of the SIAC and the Palalawan projects? What are the challenges that you're seeing on the ground there? We're trying to achieve four goals, uh, some of them already mentioned. First is we're trying to protect forest and peatland because you know that more than 50% of the Siak and Palawan are peatland. 
and then most of the palm oil in Siak and Palawan actually in the pitland area. So this is a very critical to ensure that there is no pitland actually open for palm oil. So uh, we need to protect that. And then the second one is to improve the capacity of the smallholders and also a community that live in surrounding and then in, ensure that their livelihood, livelihood can be fulfilled as well. And then the third one is to promote human rights issues. We work with uh, companies and then also other organizations to raise awareness of not just companies, but also the local government, how to address the human rights issue within the companies and then within the plantation area as well. So there are some programs that we are doing like a social dialogues. We work with uh, local government in addressing, so raising awareness. Basically, we are in the stage of raising awareness about the importance of addressing this uh, human rights issues. And then the last one, this is also a, quite a critical in terms of building and facilitating multi-stakeholder platform where uh, companies and also government and also civil society can really have a genuine conversation to discuss about the different interests and conflicted interests in the landscape. So that's, that's a quite challenging actually to do. I think that we know the importance of multi-stakeholder in raising understanding about what needs to be done. And we know the important the role of government in terms of producing policy and also addressing some issues related to land titles. So I think that a lot of initiatives that right now are supporting the Green Sea, for example, and also the District Action Plan and Palawan are really key to have a space for all of the stakeholders to have a talk actually to discuss this issue. Are there any particular challenges you'd like to highlight then and that you have to be overcome to achieve success? Right now we're trying to helping the smallholders to get a certification. We know that that regarding the uh, there is a lot of land issue in the ground and then that's not the area that within the authority of uh project actually can address. So that's the area where government, local government can address those, those issues. So we can help to identify, helping the smallholder to identify their land and that kind of thing. And then we need to bring the issue in the ground to the government and then ask government to kind of like address this issue. So because that's within the authority of government to do so. I'd like to find out a little bit more about your partners on the project. So Veronique, who are your project partners in SIAC and Pelaloban? Well, we are basically, ProForest is together with Demeter, sort of more facilitating the entire program, so coordinating, etc., on behalf of eight palm oil sourcing companies who support the program. So it's a collaboration of eight companies, so there is a joint work plan, etc. But we work local organizations who implement all the activities. So we have a joint work plan and are working with Windrock, who's working in the villages to look at alternative livelihoods, do this peat restoration, etc., that we talked about before, providing and working on demonstration plots. We work with for example, the local staff available from one of the companies that's supporting the program, Musimas, who is on the ground implementing their village support program, working and training the village, the sort of the farmers, the palm oil farmers, etc. We work and train, for example, with WRI, the village extension service officers, so like workers from the government, from the local government to track and look at deforestation alerts. We work with a local organization called JKPP, who does this participatory mapping that I mentioned. I was already mentioning we work a lot in our village program where we are dependent on what we call these local village facilitators. And for example, also with an organization called ASPUK, 
who help us with gender-specific issues and mapping in the villages that we work with. But we also work with an organization called CNV. Mila was mentioning the various labor-related issues. So one of the key challenges is that, for example, there's a lack of awareness on what the rights of the workers are. They often do not even know what their rights are. So we are working with an organization to help build the capacity and strengthen the capacity of the local trade unions and raise awareness that these exist and workers can. So that's just a range of organizations that we're working with on the various aspects. Mila, you mentioned before a bit about the collaboration with government. Why is collaborating with government so important and what are the keys to doing that effectively? There are so many issues that only can be tackled and addressed by governments, like a policy, land right issue and that kind of thing, especially. And then uh, that's why I think that collaboration with the local government and also the national government are really important because there are some bottleneck that only can address by them. Right now, we're helping also, we're trying to align what the Siap and Palawan government is trying to do with the national government initiative as well. For example, that the district action plan is actually part of the national action plan program as well. Actually allocated for the local government to implement the program for sustainable palm oil at the district level. So that's why to address this issue and then to open space for the local government and then the national government to see that there is a commitment from both, but uh, there is a lack of resources and then how we together can address and then find a solution for this. So that's why the role of private sector also key in this context to help the government to support some of the program that right now is lack of resource. And then we're trying to, like Veronique just mentioned that our program is in Sungali now and also in Siak and Palawan, we're trying to support the government program, but there are many issues in the ground that only can be tackled by the national government and also the local government. At different level, government have their own authority to address those issues and they need to come together actually to see which area that actually can be addressed by each of the level of the government. Clearly, when you have such a project involving many stakeholders, Information, transparency, very, very important. So, Vernik, I wondered if you had any thoughts on how information flow from such projects can be best managed to ensure necessary transparency and then that will then lead, hopefully, to progress. Yeah, thanks. And I think that's a really good question and a challenge because I was indeed saying how with how many partners we work. So we work first at the village level. So we have lots of information data available that we collect from the farmers, etc. at the village level on land title. We work also with mills. So there we have mapped all the mills that are located in the areas, tracking progress of the mills to deliver that they are deforestation free, meet all the requirements of respecting human rights. The data currently is scattered via and sits with different organizations, the village facilitators, the mills, or even the companies working with the mills. So what we are trying to do is have a data system at the level of the districts so that all this data can be aggregated. And this is important because if we are thinking about landscape programs, we're also trying to measure at the level of the district as a whole is also considered responsible and sustainable. And this is, I think, becoming more important as companies are also funding these efforts and thus they want to be able to link it to sourcing and their commitments Thus, there is this whole information flow that is relevant for the companies to use if they mention how it links to their commitments, but also for the districts. So what we are 
trying to do is work for everything at the district government. So it sits at the district. So we're working with the government on setting up a system. It's a challenge, but we think it's needed in order to be able to report at this scale, as you said, in a transparent way, so that it can meet the multiple reporting needs that, for example, the district government has, because they want to report to the national government. They want to report on the sustainable development goals, whereas companies need the same data to report on how it meets and helps meet their commitments. That can only happen if you have a good system that is able to aggregate the data and able to combine the data that is currently scattered. So it's a challenge, but it's something we are working with and it needs again this collaboration with the government. Mila, do you have any further comments on that? The necessity for good information flow and how it's best managed? Right now, at the national level, the government is trying to promote district sustainability at the jurisdiction level. And then they work with EFI, European Forest Institute, to use the Terpercaya. Terpercaya is actually a, like a platform to assess sustainable achievement or progress at the district level. This requires a lot of, Veronica just mentioned, data availability in order for the local government to submit the report to the national government. Hopefully, by working with local government closely in order to provide this data and monitor the data and then can help the local government to provide data that they need to be reported to the national governments. That's a crucial uh, data monitoring and management for the local government. The system is not yet there. And then like Veronique just said, it's a very challenging right now. So I think that working in a specific district like Siak and Palawan and use this as a prototyping and model for that, that would be a good start. Mila, what future projects do you have coming up in Indonesia? We are actually trying to do a similar goals like protect the natural ecosystem and also improve the capacity of the smallholders and then their, their livelihood as well. Right now, we're exploring collaboration with GIZ in Kutai Timur, which is that's in East Kalimantan. That's for palm oil. And as for uh, cocoa, we are right now exploring collaboration with Mondelez in Lampung in Sumatra for uh, sustainable cocoa in the region, in the area. What ultimately then will success look like? If we can showcase that we can actually protect a forest and biodiversity in a landscape where that actually showing an effort, collaboration between government, private sector, and also CSO and local community, if a landscape that would be good, but in, maybe if we can achieve in a couple of villages, that's already a great success. Veronique, do you want to comment further? I would agree on that. And I would say have a model. I think it's sort of alignment on what is forest and people positive for the local communities. So it benefits the local communities, conserve, restore forests, ensure that it improves livelihoods, but aligns with the district government's needs, company needs, etc. But really have a model where that is incentivized and it does benefit the local community. Because you asked earlier, what's the role of the local communities? I think it's essential. It's bottom up. That's where the impact is needed. So we can talk about what the companies need, but ultimately that's where the change needs to happen. So if we are able to develop and have models where that is incentivized, the impact that we are all looking for, that's what we are ultimately aiming to achieve, that these incentives are actually delivered. Mila, do you want to come back in? This is the biggest challenge in doing all of this. The work that we're trying to do is actually to provide a space 
of collaboration and then uh, for multi-stakeholder to really have a generative conversation, uh, open conversation to discuss about all of these systemics and dynamic issue in more open and then transparent and then trying to find a solution together. That's not yet happened, but if we can actually provide a space where all of these stakeholders can really have that kind of conversation, it's tough and then it's uncomfortable. If we are all of the stakeholders willing to really sit down together to discuss about this, about this uh, systemic and then complex issue, that would be a great success. That's how I see success as well. We cannot work alone. We have to work together in order to address this uh, complex issue. Well, it's been fascinating hearing about your work in Indonesia. So thank you very much for all your insight and candor over the past 30 minutes or so. But for now, Veronique Bouvet and Mila Nu from ProForest, thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.